The NFL's 2023 schedule release is set for tomorrow, and as a result, we're looking at the Dolphins' opponents for 2023 and the biggest offseason storyline for each of those teams. Today, the NFC plus the Dolphins, it was announced this morning, are bound for Germany. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, co-host of Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes. You can find Locked On Dolphins on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Special shout out to our everydayers who are locked in here on a daily basis on Locked On Dolphins. Today on the show, we are continuing our look at 2023 scheduled opponents for the Dolphins. Hopefully you get a couple extra teams for the postseason that's scheduled to, uh, for Miami making a return trip. That sure would be sweet, and maybe you get more than one postseason opponent. That'd be really cool too, but... The NFC side of the fence for the Dolphins is kind of what makes this schedule challenging for Miami in my eyes because you have the NFC East. You also have the NFC South second place finisher. Uh, and then the big shoe that's already dropped that we became aware of this morning was the NFL has announced all of their international games for 2023 and the Dolphins will be playing in one of those. They are scheduled to take their road game that was originally scheduled for Arrowhead against the Chiefs, and that will be played in Germany. So no Tyreek Hill revenge game in Arrowhead against uh, the Chiefs faithful in Kansas City and a return to Kansas City because they will be playing that game overseas. I have some thoughts on that game as well that we'll tuck in at the end of today's show. But we're going to start on the NFC side of the fence. NFC East, obviously you have the defending NFC champion Philadelphia Eagles are the first team that comes to mind when you are thinking about the Dolphins playing the NFC East, and this will be a road game for Miami. They will be playing in Philadelphia. Uh, as far as Philadelphia and what their season has unfolded for them, they managed to bring back a lot of what they had at their disposal last year, and that wasn't necessarily expected for them to be able to bring back both the corners, James Bradbury and Darius Slay. That's a huge win for the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, they made some changes peripherally. Chauncey Garner-Johnson at safety is no longer here. Uh, you lost Miles Sanders in free agency. Jalen Hurts going to have to take another step forward as a quarterback. But when I think about the big storyline for the Eagles and the Dolphins getting ready to play this team at some point in 2023, they lost both their offensive and defensive coordinators to head coaching jobs. That is not a small thing. Now, I think there's enough sustainability within Philadelphia. They've been one of the more stable organizations in the NFL over the past couple of years that it shouldn't be this crippling blow and the Eagles shouldn't expect a regression back to the mean from what they were last year and be a losing team. I think I'd be highly surprised if that happens because they have a lot of talent on both sides of the ball, but you have lost Shane Steichen to the Indianapolis Colts. 
and you have, have lost Jonathan Gannon to the Arizona Cardinals. How quickly does Sean Desai come in and run the offense? How seamlessly can the transition from Steichen be? Is this like what happened when it was Doug Peterson with uh, Frank Reich and Frank Reich left and the offense was never the same? If it is, that's a matchup for Miami. So I think Philadelphia is a matter of chemistry as compared to some of the other opponents that the Dolphins have on the schedule where you think about uh, actual significant personnel hurdles uh, that create these barriers for, for sustained success. Dallas, the other prominent contender, this is a legitimate NFC conference contender in Dallas. And when I think about Dallas... I am highly intrigued by the transition this team is going to make offensively. And I think it bodes well for Miami. Because you have CeeDee Lamb, you brought in Brandon Cooks, you're hoping Michael Gallup is back to being the same version of himself, but you transitioned away from Dalton Schultz, who's been a volume target in your passing game, maybe not as much this year as he was the previous year when he earned the franchise tag. And you've also moved on from Ezekiel Elliott. You have Tony Pollard, Mike Davis, Deuce Vaughn, Ronald Jones are your four running backs. And Dallas has always been its best offensively when they have been able to consistently run the football. Well, Tony Pollard's coming off a season-ending injury and is on the franchise tag this year. And behind him, you have Mike Davis and Deuce Vaughn. Are you going to lean all the way with Mike McCarthy now taking over the, the offensive play calling duties because you moved on from Kellen Moore? Are you going to be a true Green Bay West Coast offense, pass the ball 40-something times a game and try to throw the ball 700 times this season? If you are, I think that plays into what we're expecting the Dolphins will be able to do well this season. So for Dallas, and that is, let me make sure I get this right here, that I would absolutely hate to be quoted incorrectly. It's a home game for the Dolphins. Dallas, at home. As a team that feels like they're transitioning into a more pass-happy offense, I think that is good news uh, for the Dolphins with that perspective match up. The NFC East, of course, had another playoff team in 2022. The New York Giants... And the New York Giants are, are one of the more fascinating teams for the sense of what they were supposed to be versus what they ended up being and the sustainability of what they currently are. This is another home game for the Dolphins as things are scheduled. And the Giants have an absolute killer at left tackle in Andrew Thomas. But the rest of that offensive line last year was... What's the best way to put this? Um, underwhelming, perhaps? I mean, they had dumpster fire situations across the interior trio, and Evan Neal, their first-round pick in last year's NFL draft, was horrible. They wanted to be a, a run-first team, but after about the first month of the season, teams kind of caught up to the run schemes, and you became much less effective. The Giants have been aggressive. Franchise tag Saquon Barkley, contract extension for Daniel Jones, trade for Darren Waller. Like, they've gone out and got some guys. 
They're hoping that they can present more challenges defensively, but if it's not better up front, I think it's more of a moot point. So now you have probably a rookie starting center in John Michael Schmitz. Okay, I think he's going to be a good one, but he will be a rookie. How big of a step can Evan Neal take in year one? What are you doing at both guard spots? I think the trenches for the Giants is the storyline. Obviously, you make the commitment to Daniel Jones because you don't feel like you have a blatant and obvious and apparent upgrade at your disposal. I get that. I'm totally fine with that. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to be better up front, and I don't know that the Giants will be that much better and with Miami and what they have and can provide up front on the defensive line, I think that's a big matchup advantage uh, for the Dolphins. We're going to talk about the Washington Commanders, the Carolina Panthers, next here on Locked on Dolphins. But before we do, today's episode of Locked on Dolphins is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. When you spend all of your time giving can leave you feeling stretched thin and burnt out. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's done entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on. The Washington Commanders are a big mystery team. They're competitive. They were competitive last year. 8-8-1. Eight, eight, Played some good defense. Had some really good skill players. Brian Robinson was an awesome story coming back from getting shot in the summertime. A very scary situation. He's back on the football field and played well for the commanders. But Washington is making this, feels like a massive leap of faith with their quarterback situation in Sam Howell. There's a familiar face here in Jacoby Brissett, who's the new backup. But they went from Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz to Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett, and it feels like they are all in on Sam Howell. Sam Howell was a fifth-round draft choice out of a not-very-pro-friendly offense in North Carolina in the 2022 NFL Draft. He's only thrown a handful of footballs in an NFL setting, and he has been effectively given the keys to Eric Bieniemy's offense. He's the guy. How effective is he going to be as the guy? That is going to define a lot of Washington's season. As you look over on the defensive side of the ball, and you got Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, Chase Young, who has been injured for the better part of the last two seasons, but is still superbly talented. A first-round corner in Emmanuel Forbes to go with Kendall Fuller. Have some really good young safeties. They've invested in linebacker with Cody Barton from the Seattle Seahawks. Up front, Andrew Norwell, Sam Cosme, Andrew Wiley. Ricky Stromberg's a third-round pick. Like they, They've got some pieces, Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin at wide receiver. This has the look and feel of a very competitive roster. But you have all of your eggs in one basket. And that basket is Sam Howell. 
in a year in which Washington has been struck in neutral, stuck in neutral for the past few seasons. Ron Rivera, there's new ownership, so everybody's kind of eager to, to win. And that's a lot of pressure riding on a fifth-round, second-year quarterback. And that has the potential, in my opinion, to define the commanders and what they are this season. Meanwhile, in Carolina, all of the pressure is off because this, this has been a long-standing journey for the Panthers for the last three years or so to get their hands on a franchise quarterback. Well, they just drafted the number one overall pick and traded up and drafted um, Bryce Young out of Alabama. Andy Dalton is there as the veteran. Sounds like Andy Dalton's going to get the chance to start and kind of slow roll Bryce Young into the starting lineup. But if, if it is me and I am identifying what is the number one storyline for the Carolina Panthers, it's you have a chance to have a rookie quarterback starting this game against the Dolphins whenever that comes. And this offensive line's solid. Ikem Ikwanu, Austin Corbett, Taylor Moton, Bradley Bozeman just got a new contract. Brady Christensen. I mean, they had a lot of continuity with that offensive line last year. But the style of play for Bryce Young is something that I don't know how seamlessly it will translate to the NFL. You think about Tua Tungvaloa playing in that Alabama environment, and yes, at Tua had better wide receivers than Bryce Young did to throw to. I think Bryce Young's best pass catchers were Jermaine Burton and one year of Jamison Williams and Cameron Latu, who was like a third-round tight end, but kind of overdrafted in the third round, in my opinion. So kind of this, this weird drop-off that's still better than a lot of college teams. But Bryce Young is a player whose best trait, in my opinion, overlaps with two. It's his accuracy and his anticipation. But he's a player who, on average, holds the ball for more than three seconds on a per drop back attempt. Versus Tua, I mean, his trigger at Alabama was 2.4. It was like 2.8 and then 2.4 when you transition from Mike Loxley and ran more of a vertical offense to the Steve Sarkeesian offense. And Bryce Young's had Bill O'Brien, so it's another iteration of the same system. But holding onto the ball for three seconds at that stature and trying to throw from within the pocket, I don't know how well that will run. So if I'm thinking about the Dolphins playing the Carolina Panthers, my hope would be that you catch the Bryce Young edition of the Carolina Panthers, and preferably early in his stretch of being the starting quarterback. Catch him in his first few games. You do that, I think that tees you up quite well to have an advantage in a matchup that you could try to exploit throughout the course of 60 minutes. But we have to go back over to the AFC side of things uh, because it has been announced as of this morning that the Dolphins' contest against the Kansas City Chiefs has been moved from Kansas City to Germany, which is uh, the Dolphins' second international trip in the last three seasons. Of course, they went overseas in 2021 and played the Jaguars and lost uh, just a completely forgettable football game. I have some thoughts on Dolphins' Chiefs, and that's what we're going to finish with here today on Locked on Dolphins. 
the first thing that came to my mind when I found out that Arrowhead, you were no longer going to Arrowhead, was this. I'm going to read the scheduled away games for the Dolphins now. They're only going to play, the Dolphins are going to have nine home games, seven away games, and one neutral site game. Anytime you have that kind of skew with Miami's home field advantage, you feel like it is a favorable break for you. I would rather play Kansas City in a neutral site than in Arrowhead. That shouldn't be a controversial take. So that alone is the first win in my mind. Overseas trips can be the great equalizer. The Dolphins played the Jaguars and they hadn't won a football game in 20-something games and the Jaguars won. That kind of weird, crazy, pomp and circumstance. The Chiefs are defending Super Bowl champions. Business as usual for them. Can they keep it business as usual? It's much more of an affair to go over there and and be celebrities in a new environment and have so much to see and and a lot to do and be ambassadors of the game. It's just a lot. It it gets to be weird, and I think that's a, a nice neutralizer for Miami as compared to having to go to Arrowhead. That's the first thing. And then a 9-7-1 split of home, away, and neutral site games is another win for me, for the Dolphins. How about this, though? I'm going to read the the away games, the seven away games they have on the schedule. Of course, you have Buffalo, New England, and New York, your three divisional games, which leaves four remaining, not a math guy, but I can do that. There's four remaining away games to get to seven. At Washington against the Commanders, at Philadelphia, against the Eagles. You have at Los Angeles and at Baltimore. So you're home, right? That's East Coast. Baltimore, East Coast. Philadelphia, East Coast. New England, East Coast. New York, East Coast. Buffalo, East Coast. Washington, East Coast. You have one non East Coast road game on the schedule this season at LA Chargers. That's a win. Of course, Miami had the the double dip West Coast trip last year, which ended up being catastrophic for Miami. They lost both games. Kind of offense fell flat both of those games against the 49ers and against the Chargers in spite of some explosive plays, uh, whether they be 75-yard touchdown passes to Trent Sherfield or 50-something-yard touchdown bombs to Tyree Kill or Tyree Kill's 60-yard fumble recoveries for touchdowns. Like, whatever the big plays were, if it wasn't that, it was very streaky. And that was two weeks back-to-back as Miami was coming out of that big five-game winning streak. They beat the Texans, and then they have to do the double-dip West Coast trip and then go to Buffalo in a three-week stretch. And they lost both those games, and you're eight and three, and you look up and you're eight and six. To only have one non-East Coast trip that would interrupt your body clock, interrupt your routine, interrupt your ability to get prepared to play a football game, all of that, that's a win, as far as I'm concerned. So you'll look at the strength of schedule, you'll look at the win-loss record last year. And the Dolphins have one of the more intimidating, I believe they're number two in the NFL in just raw strength of schedule based off last year's records. And like, I get it. That's, that's imposing. But if you look at how it actually starts to shake out and when Miami will have 
peripheral advantages within these football games. Neutral site Chiefs, that's a win versus playing in Kansas City. All these East Coast games, only one long-distance travel trip to the West Coast in which you have to reset your body clock, that's a win for Miami. So, and I think you're drawing some really good teams at home that are in these weird transitional periods. And we'll, we'll talk more about it when we do the, the actual schedule release. we got to talk about uh, Tyler Croft, the new tight end that the Dolphins have announced that they've signed. Uh, we got to do some content on him. I have a wish list for things that I would like to see uh, for the Dolphins. But you start looking at like Raiders, Panthers, Titans, some of these teams that are, are transitional, weird, limbo, reset teams, and you get them all at home. I think there's some things in the Dolphins' advantage with the way that this schedule, beyond just what their win record was last year. And there's not even a strong correlation from win record one year to another. You talk about parity across the league. We got a lot to cover, which is why you need to keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. It's your team every day. Appreciate you for checking out the show. Appreciate the everydayers who do keep it locked in on a daily basis. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. But that is going to do it for me here today on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. We are out of here Make it a great rest of your Wednesday. I'll be back to talk to you all again soon. Peace. Fins up.